Oh man, it's just goosebumps, isn't it? Well, I guess the measure of the best teams is that they know how to win ugly. History is made to be broken, and that's the beautiful thing about sport. Argentina win for the first time in New Zealand. International rugby is banging on the door right now. Tēnā koutou katoa, good evening and welcome into the breakdown. One week out from our first test and two big names haven't travelled to Argentina. Will Jordan and Lester Whanganuku for the All Blacks, we'll talk about that. We have Michael Checker joining us on the programme. Alana Bremner out of the Blackferns and we talk about this new global competition. Jeff Wilson, Carl Tenana and Angus Taoval, great to have you all on the programme. You're fizzed for test rugby to start. This is it, isn't it? This is the start as we head into the Rugby World Cup. Oh, you can just smell it. You can just smell it. Now we start getting into the big time, you know, and there's a big tournament coming a little bit closer. So we've been waiting for this for a while, right, Angus? Just to get into the I'm, 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 I'm excited to, to know that there's going to be some players that get the first chance to wear a jersey. You know, it brings, you know, tingles up my spine the first time I played in Argentina, and hopefully we see some lads get that feeling next week. I thought I needed a weekend off. <laughs> I didn't need a weekend off. <laughs> I, watched the, I watched the Black now. Ferns on Thursday night, which was awesome, the way they played. And I thought, what, when's the next game? Mm. When am I watching the next game? Because all this discussion, we've debated this all-black team for yeah. months. I want to see it play. I mean, who's going to play? I can't wait. We are going to talk about that deeply on the show. Angus, give us a wee injury update. How far away are you now? Hey, hopefully, uh, very, very soon. I'm, I'm looking to play a little bit of club for Eden next week. Um, awesome. So all, all going well, all, all going to plan. Um, shout out to my mate, Quintu Pyre, who's been my little return to play buddy. Me and him have been, and he's not far away as well. So shout out to you, my, my mate. Who's the poor guys that Eden have got next week? Oh, well, hey, well Eden's, Eden, <laughs> to be fair, Eden. Oh, mate, they can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They can't wait, they're coming for you. Yeah. When you're at All Black and you start playing club rugby, yeah, we'll they're see. after you. Yeah, yeah, that's what's happening. We'll no, that is awesome news, though. That is awesome news. It's the news that we've all been waiting for. So go well in a week's time. Well, this new global rugby competition is well and truly on the cards. In fact, it has been confirmed the best of the South and the best of the North are finally going to combine. And this is what the proposal looks like. It'll start in 20. 2026. Of course, you'll have all six teams from the six nations. You'll have the four Southern Hemisphere teams that currently compete in the Rugby Championship, plus two other invitational sides. It sounds like those will be Japan and Fiji right now. From 2030 onwards, there'll be a promotion relegation system uh, into the next tier that World Rugby is creating, and this will happen every two years. So not in Rugby World Cup years and not when the British and Irish Lions are touring. And it'll happen in the July and November window. People have been wanting this for a long time. What do you think? I love it. You know, uh, firstly, we get some meaningful tests in that July test window. We don't get a B, Ireland or England coming down, you know, so there's something on the line. And as always, when you're in the Southern Hemisphere, there's always conjecture and conversation, who's the best? You know, is it the All Blacks, is it the South Africans, is it the English, is it the French? You know, so now we actually get a competition to figure that out every second year, you know, so I reckon it's cool. How will the All Blacks be reacting to this news, Gus? I mean, what did you think when you heard it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's exciting. You, you go against the best players. But what, what I'm more excited about is those the second-tier nations. You know, there's that competition where you can get promotion, relegation. You, you talk about Fiji possibly being that sixth team, but look what Samoa, Tonga are doing with some of these ex-All Blacks, ex-Australian players that are coming back. They'll get a chance for those nations to be playing the All Blacks, playing the France, playing the England teams. I mean, what, what's, what's not to love about it? Uh, one of the challenges is the fact that we might, we're losing touring. And last year, Ireland coming to New Zealand when it wasn't just a one-off game. You had multiple games against a One Nation. Where I look at this, I'm interested to see it plays out and also how it affects the rankings of the teams as you get closer to the Rugby World Cups and how that might affect the seedings going into those Rugby World Cups. And hopefully it helps avoid possibly what we've got in terms of what the top four teams being on one side of the draw at this year's yeah. Rugby World Cup. But I think this was always on the cards. And ultimately... Someone's going to pay a huge amount of money 
for this competition. $10 billion is and the number I, thrown out there right now. So I'm hoping that's not just these teams that benefit. Yeah. Mm. This is all of the other sides around the world benefit from this. The investment into the game is not just confined to these teams, it's to everybody else as well. And you think the, 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 the flow-on effect of that is like when you get like the Fijis, the Samoas, the Tongas, players might say, you know what, I'm going to be able to come here and play for these teams and be in this competition. So that's going to make them even stronger and, like you say, getting some of that money back to those, those countries. Does this make Rugby World Cups irrelevant? That is the question that will be asked. When you have the best 12 nations in the world competing every two years and then in a Rugby World Cup as well. Yeah, but this is not a knockout competition. There's a different pressure when you've got to win quarter, semi and final. Uh, this is to try and generate some greater interest in and around tests against other nations where it has a meaning, it has a point, where you get to a point between World Cups where you're proving you are still the number one team in the world. But it's not going to be definitive. A Rugby World Cup does that for me. And, and it is a different beast in terms of timing. You know, it's in, in, was it three separate sort of windows? Whereas a World Cup, you've got, what, seven, six weeks to find out who the best nation in the world is, you know? So that's a different sort of pressure. Oh, I'm just looking at your pieces popping out there. Man. <laughs> yeah, so oh, getting ears, there thinking ears. about Eden, they're picking down. <laughs> hey, but another, another thing is too, like, teams will make adjustments from the first test window to that second one. That's what I really like as well. It's a different type of scenario you spoke about. And then I think also, like, with those, um, with, with that competition, Oh, yeah, I, I just think like you're talking about the relevance of the World Cup. That's never going to be irrelevant. I think the World Cup's always going to be the pinnacle of the competition. You have like the FA Cup and football. You know, it's, it's, it's a different vibe and a different setup. So, what about the two extra teams that come in to join the Rugby Championship? The two teams that have been mooted to Japan and Fiji are those the right teams in your eyes to come in? It's logical right now. Mm. I mean, obviously those are the two highest ranked teams, but this and presents uh, the teams an opportunity when you get to that promotion relegation. I'd like to think they can get to that maybe sooner than, than 30, yeah. once 30. they get their heads around it. It's a long time for teams to wait. And when you're talking like a Chile, a Uruguay, mm. who have qualified for Rugby World Cup, the USA and Canada, I'd like to think you would get there a little bit quicker. I don't think it's because of the Southern Hemisphere it's taking that long for the promotion relegation. I think there's a reason it's taken this long to get here. Yeah. <laughs> let's right. be honest. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, finally, let's find out then uh, who is the best between the North and South, Jeff. I can't wait. I can't absolutely wait. I'll tell you what I did do. I had an opportunity this morning to catch up with Michael Checker. And I talked about clearly the All Black Test coming up, but I also talked about this new competition and got his thoughts. Yeah, mate, I just got to make it to 2026. Still going. Get through 2023, see what happens, and then, you know, we'll see how it goes there. But I do think that, um, I do think it's a... It's a good idea. It gives um, it gives a certain amount of depth to the to the competitions that are that cover both July and November, and it gives fans, I think, something to 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 follow. Even though the the Test match atmosphere is always one they want to follow, no matter what the what's at stake, the the competition format per se, you know, gives it something a little bit different. Well, check how quickly and well has your team come together, and how much are you looking forward to playing the All Blacks? Well, always looking forward to playing, you know, New Zealand. The teams that are at the top of the tree in world rugby are always ones that we want to we want to be playing against because they make us better, you know, well, by going into that atmosphere. And our preparation has been, it's been, you know, good. It's been different. We've done things, a lot of things remotely due to a lot of the, I suppose, some of the restrictions that are put on us by players not being all together coming in from Europe and um, when we can actually get ourselves together. But um, I've been really pleased with the way things are going and um, looking forward very much to getting us. We haven't really had a game week preparation as yet. So um, looking forward to getting the Mendoza and getting into it. With the World Cup just around the corner, what's critical for you and your team in this year's rugby championship? Well, it's really a balance of being as competitive as we can be and playing in those, you know, getting that high stakes preparation, which I think has always been good in the Southern Hemisphere. We get the we get the rugby championship before the World Cup because, you know, we're playing, we're still playing for something that's very important to all the teams, you know, in, in our supposed preparation phase. So it's a real balance between the competition side of things and getting things right around breaks and, um, getting people peaked for the World Cup, obviously, but at the same time, um, being able to gauge yourself against teams that, um, you know, are of the highest quality, the ones you know that if you have ambitions in the World Cup, you've got to try and beat. So 
Um, I, I like the way that our, our preparation lays out and our path into the World Cup and looking forward for it to start. A couple of weeks ago, the All Blacks named their first All Black squad for 2023. What did you make of the team? Well, you're very fortunate, New Zealand. There's a there's a fountain of quality players that are, is coming out of there. You know, there's new players every year in Super Rugby that turn up and start to challenge uh, what is the supposed standard, the norm. You know what I mean? And now uh, there's still though a core of experienced players that have been there um, and done that over over many years and have been doing it in Super Rugby at different levels. So those players will get to mix in with the newer brigade that are coming through. And I'm sure the team will resemble something that we, we've seen before, but with some of that new talent coming in so that, you know, the coaches in New Zealand can take a look at them and they can get an experience with the test arena firsthand. So, you know, our job is to bring that, you know, is to get ourselves ready and, and make sure that we're, we're getting our, our, our sort of, mentality and, and getting our players that we need to get in the right positions um, the experience they need to be ready for that tournament. Like I said, while at the same time, I wanted to, to to get ourselves on the board in the rugby championship, you know, starting off at home, that's a, that's a, a big opportunity for us. Have the recent wins against the All Blacks given your team an element of a confidence? How much impact has it had? I wouldn't say uh, an impact because we're going up against New Zealand. I'd say an impact in relation to just our self-confidence, you know what I mean, around what's, you know, some of the, the improvements we've been able to make uh, over the last, you know, couple of years, and those leading to some results for us. You know, it's, it's, it's tricky over here because you're playing against, you know, the big three of the Southern Hemisphere every year. And sometimes the improvements that you make aren't always marked with the, the, the W at the end of the day because of where, where we're coming from. But... You know, we had a few, couple of good wins last year. I don't think that, you know, every contest is is a new one. So um, last year's games, we had the two in New Zealand. We only get the one opportunity this year, which is back here. So, you know, I think the improvement, the key for us will be the confidence that we take from those games and, and how that leads to us trying to be more consistent, right, at a good level across the board in this rugby championship. Well, you'd be happy to know we spoke to Eddie Jones a week ago on the show. What are you expecting from Eddie and the Wallabies? Oh, mate, I, I'm not really sure because I haven't, I, I know this sounds cliche, I haven't really paid much attention, to be honest. Like, I think we've got to wait until we get get ourselves over to Australia to, to jump into that, you know, and I'm sure, as always, it'll be fun and, and uh, it'll be new for me, I suppose, being involved in the Test match in Australia, but... I think all our eyes and all our concentration have been clearly focused on the Pumas getting ourselves right, getting ourselves in the right condition to play the game this week. And then we will have had a look at Australia by then as well, you know, when they, they get on the Black Play South Africa, obviously, this weekend. So we'll get a bit of a look and see and, and, and then start preparing them. But up until now, um, it's very much been to focus on ourselves and now we'll start having a look at New Zealand as they head over to our shores. Well, when you look at this year's World Cup in France, you've got England and Japan in your pool. What is it you see about this year's Rugby World Cup? Well, I think if you're, if you're angling that, um, that's an opportunity because a lot of the higher seeds are on the other side of the draw, like New Zealand, and et cetera. No, no, I think that's, that's a flawed policy, mate, because in the World Cup, if you aren't taking a look at the next team that's in front of you, then you're doing yourselves a disservice because every team's there to go their hardest, their best. And if you take your eye off the ball, someone will take the ball off you. And so for us, once we, we've prepared ourselves the way we need to and we arrive in, in France, you know, at the start of September, our focus will be solely on whatever game lands in front of us. And if you, <clears throat> it's our human nature to want to project forward and try to predict what's going to happen and where we could land, et cetera, so the discipline is in making sure you don't do that because then you get your eye off the ball and, like I said, it'll get taken off you. Well, the Crusaders won once again in this year's Super Rugby title. Is there a world where you see the Jaguares back in Super Rugby? Well, I'm not quite sure if Argentina rugby ever wanted to leave it, you know what I mean? So I don't know if it was that, that was chosen. They chose to do that. So there's what I do know is there's definitely a world where 
there's room for um, a team, uh, as another pro team. We've got the, the semi-pro teams playing here now in the South American Super Rugby. There's definitely room for another pro team or two coming out of Argentina that are playing in tournaments somewhere. Well, I don't know where that might be, but, and you know, obviously their experience being with Super Rugby and it was a good experience. So whether it would take the same form as it did previously or not, I don't know, but there's definitely um, a, a enough players here that can, that, enough quality players, I should say here, that we're able to go and compete in or a Super Rugby or in a, you know, South Africa have gone and done it in the Northern Hemisphere competitions, whatever that might be. Uh, because there's there's good quality players and they've got a really good platform here for younger players to start coming through. Had a hiccup at the 20s World Cup the other day, but our, a lot of those players have been playing in Super Rugby um, South America at a, a competitive level, well, well above their age group. So things are, are well organised here for a pathway. you just got to keep that pathway going towards the Pumas at the end of the day. Oh, he's an interesting character, isn't he, Michael Checker? But he's definitely brought a difference to this Puma side. Is this a perfect opportunity for them? The All Blacks haven't been to Argentina since 2018. They've beaten them in 2020 in Australia and last year in New Zealand. Could this be a real worry for the All Blacks this game, do you think? And it's Mendoza as well. Tougher to travel. You played your debut over there. Yeah, I was, I was in Buenos Aires. It's, it's a tough tough place to play. They're, they're a passionate uh, people, just like their players. Um, you know, I think that, that back three and and Levanini is, is massive for them. Uh, they're missing Marcos Crema, who was red-carded playing for Stade de France. But they had that historic win down at Christchurch. Yeah. The All Blacks bounce back the next week, but they've, they've tasted it, the victory, and now they've got a chance to do it at home with their fans, the people jumping, the music going. Who knows, there might be some Vuvuzelas coming back, but <laughs> I think the energy over there is, is totally different to what we have here. And, uh, but you were born to be Argentinian, Cass. We're low key. <laughs> we can only hope not about the Vuvuzela. That's all I can say. Well, what I will say is this is a world class team. Yeah. And what they did last year is they went and they beat England in England. So this is a quality side that beat the All Blacks last year. They probably didn't finish their campaign as well as they would have liked, but they tend to struggle at the end of their season because ultimately they use the same group of players, KT, mm. but that same group of players has now tasted success against the All Blacks. You can't deny that. The experience is there, and this is critical for them in terms of starting their season. They're a really, really good team, and they're well-coached, well-prepared, with some experience. They're going to be a real handful. It's a challenge. It's a real test match. Yeah, 100%. You know, and you spoke about the obstacles, right, getting this team together, this group together, but the thing that stood out for me was the mentality, you spoke about their mentality and getting their discipline right around that space and not looking too forward ahead. And I think that's something this group, in particular, Michael Chick has done very well. So you speak about that wins and those disciplines and that muscle memory, you know, like you, next time you play the All Blacks, like, yeah, no, we got them, remember? In that situation, they'll get to some depths and start digging in, you know? Well, you remember the Haguaros as well. They went to two finals of Super Rugby. Yeah. They got to the point at the end of their campaign in Super Rugby where they'd learnt a lot, Gus, about what it took to play against New Zealand sides. So I've learnt that, and now when they can do that, they can compete with Australia. South Africa's a different challenge for them, but every so often when they get it right, they're so difficult to play against. I, look, it's worked out perfectly for them. I miss them in regards of yep, Super Rugby. Same. I really, really do, because they offer something different. But we saw last year in Christchurch, Gus, that they're world-class on their day. They're very, very difficult to beat. And I, I think a lot of that success has come off the back of this, you know, the Hagiwares, a chance for players to consistently, you know, get that consistent, um, you're playing with, with your mate yeah. left and right, rather than being overseas. Usually, but I suppose that how can that carry on? Is it a money thing? Uh, do we do we bring in a little South American team, Chile, Uruguay? You know, maybe an all-star team. But what I do know is that I've, I've had dealings with Checker, and he knows how to inspire people. Mm. He, he knows how to bring the best out of people. He did it with the Waratahs uh, when they won it. He did it with you know Australia making that World Cup final, and he's been doing it with. with the Argentinians. That's just adding more passion to a group that's already passionate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, and and yeah. a fan base that is passionate. Yeah, yeah. So that's just, and that's what you get. And guess what? That's when you get defence. When you get defence. And their defensive line, the two times that they've beaten us, we haven't been able to breach them. We haven't been able to go past them. We can't go through them because they've been at that emotional level that they just haven't missed. It's been impressive to watch. So like I say, we're going to have to be on. I know we said that it was a flawed policy looking ahead at the Rugby World Cup draw, but Argentina, England, Japan, Samoa and Chile in the same pool, KT. Mm, no, they can legit win that, but as, as a coach you have to put a lid on it, right? And that's what he's trying to do and good on because he doesn't want his boys two steps ahead of where they're going to get. But I think we heard Fozzie say how important this championship is for the All Blacks, equally so 
and Michael Checker knows that for the Pumas, right? If they are able to progress, and he said, the thing I liked about it, he said, it's not, not always um, calculated in wins, you know? You want your team progressing and hitting the mark when it comes later in the year. And for Eddie Jones, and yeah. for Australia. Yeah. It's important for We've everyone. We've had a very Australian <laughs> show over the last uh, one, haven't we? we? But, but it's important for them as well. I yeah. mean, the rugby yeah. championship is critically important. And you've got the defending World Cup champions. They're the other side, remember, in South mm. Africa. Mm. Mm. Well, remember uh, the Form 15. Guess what? It's back this week, but with a completely new set of rules. Are you surprised? Jeff Wilson has got his Form 15 oh. from the entire Super Rugby competition, and there's a reason why. We're going to compare it to potentially the All Blacks starting 15 in a week's time. And Mills hasn't bothered to show up, so he's picked <laughs> what he thinks. He's picked what he thinks is going to be Ian Foster's team for the first test next weekend. So I'm going to show you what I thought was the Form 15 coming out of the season. Now it changed significantly over the last month. Up front, I think you can't argue with Tamaiti Williams had such an impact for the Crusaders. Cody Taylor was the big mover in the last month under pressure. And Tyrell Lomax, the work that he did in, uh, for the Hurricanes. If you look at the middle row, I think you can't argue once again. Look, there's no doubt Sam Whitelock was good in the final, but Scott Barrett and Brody Rotelic were uh, fantastic through the course of the campaign. Rotelic at his very, very best. Sammy Petty Finau, Luke Jacobson, and I found room for Billy Harmon, a good Highlander. <laughs> All right, a bit on. But hey, hey, he was clearly the best out of the their team. Weeks. In the last three weeks. It did change in the last three weeks. You're 100% right. I went back and looked at his form deeply because I had time to do that because the Highlanders weren't playing. <laughs> but I thought he was the pick of the bunch. So very, very good. You can argue that one, one I'll take. Sam Kane, of Sam course. Sam Kane. Was Sam very, very yeah. close. All right. Cam Roygaard, look, great season for the Hurricanes. Damien McKenzie, there's no doubt there the impact he had with the Chiefs and how good he was. The midfield was a little bit harder. I won't argue with this because there were a lot of guys that were injured, came in and out. David Harvey was very good early on but got injured. Anton Leonard-Brown for me came back and was consistent. Probably the biggest mover out of all of it was Braden Enor. When push came to shove, when they needed to deliver for the, in the midfield and the big games, he did that for the Crusaders. Thought he was very, very good. And the back three, well, they picked themselves as well. Lester Whanganuku, um, Sean Stevenson and Amoni Narawa. All those three, well, two of them are in uh, Argentina right now. Maybe probably one will get a start. That's how I see it. And then you've got Mills's side of things, Kirsty. Yes, so he's got Mil some changes. He has picked what he thinks is Ian Foster's strongest possible side, and what we will probably see on Thursday. Remember, Will Jordan and Lester Fanganuku did not travel to Argentina, so they're out. Mark Talia is still nursing that injury. Antonina Brown is out suspended, and we're still not exactly sure on the status of Sam Whitelock as well. So when you're looking at his team, De Groot, Taylor, and Lomax. Brody Retallick, Tupo, Vai, Scott Barrett at 6, Sam Kane, Adi Savia, Aaron Smith and Richie Moonga is 9 and 10, Caleb Clark, Amoni Narua, Bowden Barrett as his back three. He's gone with Geordie Barrett and Rico Ioane. When you look at this team, is this, Gus, our strongest possible team with the players that are available? Is this the team Let's we can see? Let's tear it to shreds, bro. Let's tear this thing down. Let's come on. Mills, mate, that's <laughs> blasphemous. <laughs> no, no, I, I honestly think Mills, Mills is onto something. You know, I think he's away with his kids at the moment, but he's obviously done his Harder research. Harder job right now. Um, you know, being a, being a Chiefs man, I, I could probably chuck in a few more Chiefs players, but... With those players out, I think that's probably as close as it gets. Sam Whitelock, we were saying, is just not available for this game. They're not going to select him, give him a week off. I'm not sure. I don't know. Well, he um, wasn't training fully, was he, when the All Blacks were at Mount Smart? They only had three days fully as a squad. So that decision there with Tupo and with Scott Barrett going to six, do you think that's the best option rather than having Scooter maybe starting at six and then a genuine, genuine six? Oh, I think that'll be an indication of what they're thinking yeah. at six for the rest of the campaign. Yeah. I, I think initially they'll want to go with their strongest available 15. And if Scooter's going to be there at six moving forward, it's a no-brainer to bring a Tupo into to the starting lineup at lock and, and let Scooter do his stuff at number six. I, th I think you've got to start Scooter in the second row, don't you? I it was put, massive. And like you say, you've got to have a big boy at six, like a semi... Penny face. Oh, Scott Barrett's like, a big. Have you seen Scott Barrett? He's a big boy. He's oh, yeah, got no, red no, rolls for abs. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's Who's that Sammy Penny? Nah, Scott Barrett. But, oh, but hey, no, but that's, that's, yeah, but, that's what I'm saying. I want him in the middle row. Yeah. I want him yeah. operating there. He was so good for the Crusaders. I think it's six. Yeah. I, I want a uh, Frizzell or a Fiat. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that too. So you want Scott Barrett at lock? With no Sam Whitelock available. Yeah, yeah, especially. But I want to say, you were, you were waxing lyrical about Richie Mwonga and you didn't even have him in your team. What's but that? You had, you had well, well, Damien McKenzie of the course. Richie Moonga had a big finish, no doubt about it. And he would start for the All Blacks all day for me. Yeah. No, no problem at all. But I think there's a familiarity to what they're going to do. And they're going to look back at the last Test match there against England. And for 65 minutes, 70 minutes, 
they were the best team on the park. The last 10 minutes, they just didn't get it right. I think they'll, they'll have faith in the guys. I think Caleb Clark's probably fortunate there's a couple of injuries. I think he would accept that. Um, but I think there's, there's a couple of players for me who'll go, you know what, I'd like to get an opportunity. Well, potential debut as well for one of your Chiefs boys. A potential starting debut for Amoni Narua. And maybe do you see room for a couple of others on the bench? Their families might have to do the quick flight over to Argentina. Yeah, well, usually, you know, the team's named on, on the Tuesday morning at training. And, and with that time difference, it's almost like New Zealand's at night. So, so this happened to me. It was a mad rush after... Because you can't call them after the meeting. You've got to go get on the field and do your training. <laughs> so you're, you're at hustling flights. And there might be a couple penciled in, but... You know, they wouldn't know. But I'm, I'm hoping, you know, there'll be a, a couple of Chiefs boys. Sean, I, I thought, you know, answered critics. He finished really strong, even after that team naming in that final. And Imani's just been lighting the competition on fire. Well, let's talk about the fullback then. Will they stick with the Bowden barrett richie Moonga combination at 10 and 15? Or, KT, do you think they'll, they'll branch out and give Sean Stevenson a crack? And if not now, then when? I think Sean will come off the bench. I think you start Bodie with his comms, you know? I, I just think with, with such a young... Back three in, in, in terms of maybe Narawa starting, I think you've got to go with Bodie there and D-Mac will come on and finish it out. So That's got, my personal. So you've got Stevenson and D-Mac on the bench. Have you got no one covering the midfield? Yeah. You've got no one covering <laughs> the midfield. That's the challenge right now for Sean Stevenson. In fact, I think if he doesn't start, mm. I'm not sure he plays because it's one of those things where you need to have the right and appropriate cover and you're doing a whole lot of reshuffling mm. if you start picking two fullbacks in your bench and, have, and who's going to cover centre? I don't see anyone who can do that yeah. other than I, I would expect Braden Enoch probably to be on the bench for this game. Yeah. They're going to need cover in the midfield. Without Anton Leonard-Brown, without David Harvelli, you know, I think that's, a, that's an area of concern. I just think a fullback like Bode, like D-Mac might be a bit small. You know the Argentinians are going to come with massive bombs and heaps of pressure. He's great in the year. Oh, yeah. I've got he's no he's fearless as well. He'll, yeah. Yeah, he'll put he, he, in he, dark places. He spends the last 20 minutes of every game for the Chiefs at fullback. So you Josh want to see Damien at fullback, for me, at fullback? For me, I would like to see that, given the impact he's had on this season and how he's finished games and how dangerous he can be. But if that comes off the bench, but I, I don't think there's room for Sean Stevenson, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bowden Barrett, Damien McKenzie and Richard Mwonga yeah. all in the same group on the same game. I just don't think it's possible. Well, you also wanted to see Artie Sarve kicked to the bench uh, and Hold Jacobson started. Was... Is, that, is that the same on Thursday, Jeff? I, I was just changing want to his role. Oh. I'll tell you what, I was changing his role in the game. I, I, I don't underestimate make what he can do at the international level. I'm just pure and simply, I'll, I would like to see size. Yeah. And you think about the bodies, and people say, well, he's, he's as tough as it comes, there's no doubt about it, but pure size, his impact for me, sometimes it's working out where the best impact in the game can be. You win test matches in the last 30 minutes. So are you giving these guys a crack against Argentina or South Africa, or just not at all, KT? Oh, no, you've got to give them a crack, right? They've got a bit of opportunity. So, so just with Artie, like, he's, he's got to be in the team. So oh. for all you Wellingtonians, just at Jeff Wilson at thebreakdown.co.nz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Emails to him, but no, but I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying in terms of, like you say, winning, winning, winning the test matches and that. But I, I just still think you've got to have him in there. Well, see, it gives you actually an element of versatility off the bench as yeah. well because he's covering both seven and eight, and you can send him on on either position. So for me, I, I, I agree with. Mills. I think they're going to start Adi Savier yeah, today. Yeah. I'm just saying that I'm just looking at what we're coming up against in the balance. Look, I'm, I'm comfortable. Don't worry, I'm comfortable with what he's saying there. Yeah. OK, well, time now to talk about the All Blacks' newest jersey. It was designed by a Frenchman, Faye the Wolf. There are 15 ferns on it. We're going to zoom in because Gus didn't want to model the shirt. It didn't uh, come in a 3XL, so, so it's tight. He's just holding it up, but never has a, a black T-shirt, shall we say, ever been more scrutinised than this one. What are your thoughts, KT, as the fashionista around here? Are you a fan? Do you love it or do you despise it? I wouldn't say despise it. It's very different, you know, but um, I'm just wondering why a French artiste was doing this. I know that in Japan they did the same. They had a Japanese artist. Yeah, Yamamoto did, yeah, a, yeah. did a design. As a guy happens? that might have to wear it, I mean, are you a fan? You're... I'll, I'll be honest, this, the, the replica, is, is a, it's a different sort of vibe to the... I'll keep, I'll keep that going. It's a different vibe to the proper playing jersey. It's obviously a lot more fitted. It's a different material. So, um, you know, nah, Adidas. They've, they've nailed it. They've done it again. But, you know, I do, I do think... <laughs> I do <laughs> just want some more boots. I, I, do, I do think, like, oh, with someone's the, running with a bit the thin on kit. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's the stock low at home. Is the stock low at home? Is that the issue? Oh, mate, okay. it's a beautiful jersey. But, you know, with, with the replica material... It, it, <laughs> It sort of can come off as just like a polisher. I'm a fan of, of the oh, collar. Like the collar. Or maybe yeah. a bit of white in there. Or no, you've got to go full ah, black on a World Cup. Yeah. Do you know what makes the jersey? No. 
It's the man inside. Oh, the classic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, let's be honest. Yeah. Do you I mean, like it, you, then? I like it. Yeah, I do like it. I can wear that on the golf course. It's amazing. <laughs> it's got a nice collar on it, no problems at all. Hey, it doesn't straight off in the anywhere. swing. It doesn't, it doesn't help me hit it straighter. But I, no, I do like it. Look, it, it's one of those things. Let me put it this way. This is how you sell jerseys in France. You get a French designer to put it together. This, uh, this is, you know, look, this is a marketing ploy as much as anything as well. I'm sure the quality of it's great. It's going to look good on our team. It's... You know, ultimately it'll come down. That won't determine whether we win or lose a test match. Yeah. I can tell you that for a fact. I like the theory behind it. I like the theory behind it with the 15 ferns all connecting together and coming back to the to the main fern there. I like that. I'm just not sure. Uh, would you not wear your former playing jersey on the golf course? No, I don't fit into my oh. former playing jersey. Uh, the old cotton. Course, uh, it's a bit wet and heavy, eh? Right, wasn't it? I, I'm, I'm assuming JK had something to do with it. <laughs> Probably. I'll tell you what, JK has given me some whispers, though. Yes. Just really? quickly, just quickly, just so... I, I'm, I'm expecting probably this week it'll be confirmed that Vern Cotter, the worst keep secret Ooh, in coaching in New Zealand, he'll be confirmed yeah. as the Blues coach. Nice. I think that'll happen. He's back in New Zealand. That's, that's what I'm... No, I'm pretty confident you'll hear that this week. I like that. I like that, having an elder statesman in charge of that young group. I like that. That's a good call by the Blues. What impacts will he have? We'll wait for that news to officially be confirmed, but if it's come from JK, it's come from the Pope, uh, so it has to be correct. Still plenty more to come on the breakdown, including catching up with JK on his tour of Europe. But first, we talk black ferns. And listen to the roar as the world champions take the turf here in... Redcliffe. Some good work down the front. Here's Kaluni First try to the World Champs. Razzle dazzle here from the Blackbirds. I'm backing up around the corner and now sends it wide out to Pedrangi Paul. Chip ahead. Can she regather? Oh, it's a try! What brilliant from the Blackbirds. Breaking off the back is Mikaela Tuu and she's going to go all the way, she knows. Drops it off the deck and oh, what a start in the second half. And that's a lovely line there from Bremner. What a try. They want 50 on the board. Here's Hove. It's Duplessis spinning out of the tackle. Duplessis just brought down. But they keep it going. What a way to finish this test match for the world champions. Oh, how good for the Blackburns. There were shades of Jeff Wilson, the chip and chase. Sylvia Brunt is already having comparisons to the great Ma'anonu, with some saying that she could be the best ever midfielder to play the game. But what a start in what has been a new era for the Blackburns. The first post-rugby World Cup, six debutants in that team and a completely new coaching group, Gus. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll be happy with that. Obviously, there's maybe some handling stuff that they'll want to figure out, but to walk away with a... 15-0 win, and, and the last time some of these ladies have played, the Opiki final, some the week before that, I mean, to bounce back like that is, is not too bad. I, I do have to shout out, obviously the, the debutantes um, play well, but Kate Henwood, yeah. fellow prop, um, you know, was, was an injury replacement with the Chiefs Manawa, um, isn't it, was an accountant. I think Such a cool story. Got a call from, from Bunty to say, you know, we want you to be fully contracted, and I think it was a, had to delay it a bit because she needed to resign from her accounting job. Um, and there she is, debuting for the Black Ferns, representing her family on, on the world stage. Don't you love the stories that this team brings? Yes, they can back it up on the field, KT, but the stories around these players, like Mirirangi Paul's another one, a netballer that's now become a sensation. Yeah, a lot of crossover athletes, right? But you, you, you hit the nail on the head, you know, like to sacrifice and then to give up your job and chase your, your black jersey. I mean, it's amazing what a feeling that would have been for her and her whanau getting on the field. But I, I want to go back to bunters, you know, like it's a pretty hard thing to, to follow up the professor, right, and what they achieved at home in a World Cup. But with Bunting, I really love the way he, he allows the players in, uh, to voice, use their voices, and it's very player-led. And I think to have that many uh, people on debut, plus the amount of time without games, and to put a performance like that is pretty awesome. And this is without the seven stars. So we know Portia Woodman, Stacey yeah. Flula, Sarah Hidney. The list goes on of who we saw in that team last year. Jeff, you want to move on. Give these uh -huh. 15s players now the opportunity to shine. Oh, absolutely. These are the ones that have committed to this mm. team, into the Black Ferns program. And I don't want other players coming in on that now. I look at this talent, but let's... let. They played well, they got into their work. After about 20 minutes, she talked about the fact they'd made some mistakes early. I was a little bit frustrated, they were forcing some passes. A little bit inaccurate. But then you saw the gulf between these two teams. And the momentum that I think they built on from last year, some key players, but they'd taken their defence up a notch, but 
let's let's be honest. The Wallaroos were really disappointing. That was they were they were better last year. They played they they were not good, and 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 they were made to look. They were made to look average by, I think, a really talented and, I mean, look, Sylvia Brunt was amazing in the second five, you know, and you start thinking about the future of this group, um, you know, I think it's incredibly bright and I just want to see this group go to work, you know, and here's the thing, if you let someone else take your jersey, there's no automatic, if you think you want to come back into the squad, you know, if they're the ones that are out there doing it and you're growing for the future and bringing talent through, they need to play and when you're only playing possibly eight test matches, you want to give them as many opportunities as you can. Yeah, you know, I, I helped. Not well, say it was I had nothing to do with it, but um, had a little bit to do with Sylvia when early on at Manabur Gramley. You know, and she's always been a very humble young lady, super intelligent too. But she's still got a lot to learn. You know, like you can see defensively, she was very strong and did a lot of good work. Once she starts figuring out how to distribute a lot more, she's going to be even a bigger weapon, man. So yeah, only 19, remember? So <laughs> unbelievable. Young in her apprenticeship. There's always been a lot of chatter about the women's high performance program in New Zealand, whether or not we're doing enough, whether we're doing the right things. But the gulf between New Zealand and Australia shows right now we are. The Wallaroos have never, ever beaten the Black Ferns, and we know how unhealthy it is in the Bledisloe Cup if you look at the men's game. We need these two teams to both be strong, right? They're our neighbours. Yeah, they are. But, but, but ultimately, how much is that on Australian rugby and how much is that on us? And, and where do we get that expansion in the game to try and develop that? You know, I, I think at the moment, I mean, they lost some players, um, the, the Wallaroos did, but, but ultimately, I mean, just the, the speed and athleticism of the players and, and building on some of the great work that was done last year. And when we started going through the middle of the park, all of a sudden it created spaces on the outside. And then we had debutantes on the edges who were good enough to not just to score tries, but to do it with spectacular fashion, which is fantastic. Yeah, and it's important we do create those pathways because you think that the Six Nations, so, you know, a few years ago, went through COVID, the girls didn't get as many tests and, and it showed when they went up north for that tour. They came back, won the World Cup last year, but this, these nations up north, they're getting consistently good competition in that Six Nations, you know, and we talk about Australia needs to come up, they've got Canada uh, tests coming up as well. So I suppose how do we get those pathways better to keep keep us at that level. So when we play the Englands, when we play the Frances, it's not like, a, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm shocked for, by this level. It's, we're leading straight into it. Yeah, and I think things with in terms of Australia, they, they put a lot of money into their sevens programs and they've got a lot of athletes, mm. you know? So yeah. they should be putting their, those ones into that 15 side. I don't know why they're not, you know? Like, Cause that, that obviously won Olympic golds and whatnot. Yeah, you, you know, look so. at their NRL stars and yeah. the seven stars, incredible athlete. It's not that they don't have yeah. the firepower there, yeah. right? Yeah. But they're just not competing yeah. in fifteens. Yeah, and, and I think also like the Fijian teams coming up now. You know, we start, we need to start giving them games as well against the Black Ferns and exposing them. Samoa, mm. another one, obviously that's, that can get up there. Papua New Guinea is actually really good as well. Their women's side, so. You know, I think we need a competition, as you said, like the Six Nations, just to get test matches, right? Yeah, well, the Black Ferns have an exciting uh, fortnight ahead. I was very lucky to sit down with our Black Ferns blindside flanker, Alana Bremner, before she took off to Canada. And I asked her just what it was like being back out there in the Black Ferns jersey after the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, super special. I think you could tell from the girls. We were probably a little bit excited and nerves in that first half, but the view balls going to ground, but... Pretty cool experience to play over there. We had an awesome turnout. I think it was a record-breaking crowd for Australia. Um, standalone women's game, which was pretty cool. And then, obviously, six debutantes, which are the games, you know, you just want to make sure they all get on. Um, they had some awesome minutes. And, yeah, pretty special for those girls. Just on that, Alana, how impressive were the new women wearing the black jersey for the first time? Unreal. I think, you know, they, they had performances they should all be really proud of. It's pretty cool when you see girls that are, I guess, new on the team, being able to go out there and play with lots of courage. And I think that's a testament to the culture and environment that's created um, within this group with the new management. Um, and then the girls just making making them feel at ease. And yeah, they really stepped up on Saturday. So it was cool to see. You haven't played a test match since late last year. It's been a couple of months since Super Rugby Opiki has finished and there didn't seem to be that much rust. How much rugby had you all had coming into this test? Yeah, a little bit of rust, I think. There's definitely things to get better at, especially on attack. But I'm pretty proud of the defensive effort that we had, you know, going up and putting pressure on. And we kind of have an attacking mindset around our defence. And I think defence coach was pretty proud of that one. Um, and then attack, obviously, haven't had too much time together um, getting some combinations sorted. So that stuff will tidy up. And with more time together, I'm sure we'll come right. Um, 
how many rugby games? Not a whole lot. I think my last one, uh, it was a club game over a month ago, maybe two months ago. Um, so girls have been playing in the club comp, which has been pretty cool um, to be able to do that. But yeah, not a lot of games since Super Rugby Opaki finished. That's super impressive, going straight out of club rugby into the international setup and ticking boxes for your new coaches as well. What has the new environment been like with so many changes? Yeah, it's been unreal. Um, you know, what Smithy and the group last year created was really cool and we've tried to keep a lot of that in and just build on that. Um, but obviously new coaches bringing new ideas and a new fresh environment for the year. Um, they've been bringing really innovative ideas and it's really cool to see, you know, last year we thought it was pretty, pretty perfect, the environment, but then you just get a bit of change and you adapt and have a lot of fun along the way. So yeah, they've fit it in really well and it's been an awesome group. Can you give us any more insights into what those little changes are? Well, we still want to play that really exciting attacking game. You know, that's the game we were bred to play and Bunce is all about that, bringing that through. And then I guess on defence, it is that really attacking, which you saw the other night um, with some of our line speed and some of the big hits the girls have put on. We've done a lot of work in the dojo, so it's pretty cool to see that stuff we've been training come out on the field. Your current Rugby World Cup champions, but the year after is usually a rebuilding phase. So what exactly, what's the focus? What are the goals for the team in 2023? Um, well, this game, um, the Australia game, we just really wanted to focus on us. So we hadn't looked too much into it. Um, obviously being a new year and a new team and there was a lot we wanted to tick off. So I guess just keep playing the exciting brand of rugby that, you know, the public and we love to play. It excites us and I think it excites people that are watching it. Um, build some more depth within the group, within the players in New Zealand. That's a really important important piece. Um, and, yeah, just have a lot of fun. You know, Bunce is always just telling us to enjoy it and that's when we play our best. So there's a lot of enjoyment in the group with, at the moment. You've got an exciting couple of weeks coming up where the Pack 4 series continues in Canada. Talk us through the logistics of actually getting your team over there because you're not going to the easiest place in the world. Ottawa in Canada, how do you actually get there? No, yeah, it's a bit crazy. So I'm currently um, at the airport in Auckland. I'm flight two of three. So I think flight one has just landed in Ottawa after maybe 26 hours of travel. Um, yeah, we're about to fly to Vancouver and then got an eight-hour stop over there, then a five-hour flight to Ottawa. Um, and then I might be in a few days' time that the whole team's actually together training on field as we ease into it, get over the jet lag. But, yeah, everyone's pretty excited. It's been a seriously disrupted four years for international rugby. It must be so cool to actually be able to go overseas on these tours again. Yeah, it has been a while. And the last tour obviously looked quite different being COVID restrictions. So um, I'm looking forward to this and being able to check out some of Canada and and see, see what it's like over there. Um, a bit more freedom and there's some friends and family travelling over as well. So it would be pretty cool to see some Kiwi supporters in the crowd. You've got a couple of matches against Canada and the USA. Canada, third at the Rugby World Cups. So they'll probably be a little bit of a sterner test rather than those Aussies. What are you expecting? Yeah, well, that's my job on the plane. I'm going to take off watching some of the clips. But, yeah, Canada had a big win over USA and um, the weekend just gone. So, yeah, we know what they're like. They're a fit team and um, the more time they spend together, the better they gel and you saw it through World Cups. So, yeah, really excited for the game coming up and... I think it's going to be a good one. The coolest thing about the Pacific Four Series is it gives you an opportunity to qualify for the WXV for the first time ever. We'll be hosting it here in New Zealand later on in the year. So what's it actually like having a proper global calendar for the women's game? It's really exciting. You know, the more tests, the more exposure, the more we get to play is better. And um, pretty cool hearing that it's going to be in our backyard at the end of the year. And you know, just to flow on from the World Cup, the exposure and everything we had, the amount of people that turned up to support and um, hoping to, you know, carry that on. Um, but, yeah, I guess home games are always special and something to look forward to. So we'll be doing our very best to um, hopefully qualify for that at the end of the year. Now, I'm just trying to work it out. You've got a 26-hour flight. You're a Bremner. Does this mean uh, when your passports are together, you're sitting next to your sister, Bremner, as well? We've actually been separated, so <laughs> it's a little bit strange not having having just beside me. But yeah, no, we've separated. It might be a might be a good thing anyway. Do you know who you're next to? <laughs> no, not quite sure yet. But it's pretty cool. We're quite lucky, and um, we get to fly business, so 
get a little bit of space on that first flight anyway. Thank you so much for your time, Alana, and all the very best over in Canada. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so much for your guys' support. Oh, we love it. We love the Black Ferns, don't we? Alana Bremner, they will be in action against Canada in their first test match, 10.30am next Sunday morning, directly after the All Blacks. So you'll have back-to-back -back matches to watch over your pancakes, your bacon and your eggs. Now, do you reckon JK's missed us? Probably not. But you know what? He sat down with a couple of his great mates. That's coming up right after this. Now I've got Kieran Crowley, my old mate, um, back three, and he's living in my house. I actually call him my gardener, but he's actually the coach of the Italian national team. Uh, you're in the France and New Zealand pool. How do you prepare for that, mate? We've got Namibia and uh, Uruguay first, first two games. Um, there is a thing around it, you know, if you're one of the sort of lesser unions or lesser countries, you know, if you can finish third in your pool, you get automatically qualified for the next World Cup. So. You know, that's a little step along the way. Well, Colton, good luck, mate. I hope you um, beat Uruguay and Namibia and France. Yeah, thanks, And the mate. other one you can lose. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. We'll be trying on all four. <laughs> I know you will. Such a big pleasure for me to be here with um, my captain, Sean Fitzpatrick. Night here, Jake. Yeah, yeah. We're in Hydra. I can't believe my life sometimes, you know. What's your picks for World Cup? Well, um... Well, you mentioned France and Ireland, probably the two, two best teams in the world. They are the two best teams in the world at the moment. Um, but I think the, the top four team in France is, is probably the best rugby competition in the world at the moment. It's purely the week in, week out. They're still playing now. And the Better size, than Super Rugby? Um, I think at the moment, yeah. I think, I think the quality of players. I think they're, they're bigger, they're fitter, they're faster, they're stronger. Um, which then carries on into the international game. And, you know, France is going to be very difficult to beat at the World Cup at home. But I actually think we're in a really good pool. Having France in our pool is obviously a very difficult game, game one. And then we've got three or four weeks um, before we know who we're going to be playing. It's either going to be Ireland, South Africa, or Scotland. Um, and they're in a really difficult pool. So you think that hard pool might just work in our favour if we can get a bit of a rest? We've got. Well, I think well, that pool, the pool that we're going to play in quarterfinals, is, is they're going to get beaten up. So Ireland's going to be beaten up. You know, so that regular will probably be the one that I wouldn't want to play. I'd probably rather play Ireland, don't I? Breakdown on Monday morning. I hope you're not cutting me out of that uh, cut-down version Goldie. But, I must uh, say the numbers must have dropped, have they? Couldn't you have been there? <laughs> in terms of the viewing yeah, yeah, they've gone up, they've gone up. <laughs> but great to see you, my old mate, and we'll go and have a coffee and see you all next week. Charles, not bad camera work for Sir John Kerwin doing it on his mobile phone from Hyde Park as well. Must be tough at the moment. Uh, but one thing that stood out there, Sean Fitzpatrick says the top 14, best international rugby competition in the world right now. It speaks volumes of the teams over there, right? And the world rankings, France and Ireland, one and two. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, Tyler Ardron played for the Chiefs. He's over at Cast at the moment. He came back to catch up with a few of us and he said it's bonkers at the moment. Like 60,000 people sold out. You've seen La Rochelle win it, a guy I played with, Will Skelton, on his videos, flares. It's just a different buzz at the moment. And, you know, whether that's off the back of them doing really well internationally, they've got the World Cup coming up, but it seems like a pretty good place to be playing. And when you look at the under-20 competition, which has been happening in South Africa, it's backing this up, isn't it? France beat New Zealand, and France are the current defending champions. Italy beat South Africa, and Ireland beat Australia. So those nations are winning, even at a junior level. Yeah, I think this, this isn't by fluke why it's happening now. I think a long time ago, they knew they couldn't compete with athletes with the Southern Hemisphere, so they put a lot into uh, their skills and the coaches with their skills. In the, in the Northern Hemisphere, and I think it's coming to fruition now with these younger, younger players. Do you know what happened? All of our best coaches went overseas, yes. and not just coaching at the top level, all the IP starts to yep. go down. So you're talking in uh, France, you're talking in the UK, you're talking about in Japan. It's all gone overseas, and that information and that sharing about how we've played the game, approached the game, you add it to what they know and the athletes they have, and the product of being in an under-26 nations environment every year, and it's been going for a long time now, they've just got consistency of form and players, and, and they're seeing players that were further developed on for me, Gus, particularly in numbers one through five. Oh, massive. And they're massive men. They're huge. I mean, to the point where the French, they couldn't even lift his lock. The, the guy was that big. <laughs> he, he was, was 149 kgs exactly. and he's 18. Yeah, and we don't, we don't have that. That's it's not a natural thing for us to have, is it? But it's, it's not only the size. They're, they're, you talk about the coaching. You know, back in the day, it was always they'll scrum, 
they'll maul, but they can't ball play. And you're seeing that, you know, the guy you're talking about is, is a Tui Lungi player. Yeah. yeah. You know, so he's got the genes, they're coaching it. But he, here's a little bit of a left field, yes. left field thing. I'm thinking sort of outside the box now. Is, is for us in this little country of five million people, are we now seeing the effect of, of other options? So league is massive. Jake, you know, you, Goldie, Goldie, your boys are playing basketball. Basketball's absolutely amazing. People are, are looking at gaming or maybe let's just not even play sport. Is that in a nation where rugby's always been number one and other countries, football's dominated, rugby's on the, on the growth, is that maybe something that's affecting the results? I, you know, it's a, it's a question to ponder on. Oh, I think it totally is. Like, you look at the, the, the participation numbers at school, it's either football or basketball, mm. you know, one and two at high school. You know, and when once, if you're not in these academies, then, you know, a lot of these kids are going to go do other stuff. Well, here it is, the first weekend of Test Matches. All Blacks taking on Argentina. South Africa against Australia. Can you see an upset in either of those games, team? All Blacks. Up the ABs. There's no upsets. This is Test Match Rugby. It's game on. We're here at 6.30, by the way. 6.30am, we'll be here. Join us. Good night. Ka kite ano. Shinakoto kato, no mai, hari mai, wenis notches. Ayoani looking for gap. Gordy Farrington's away. Gets the pass off and Taylor Clarkson. And Argentina, and here's a chance. Oh boy, Gonzalez. Argentina win for the first time. Blacks are in must-win territory. Where's the pass?